0: I'm not governed by the fear of what other people say.
1: You've got to open your heart.
2: Well, number one, he's one of the elite offensive players in the game. Number
1: five, number five. What is leadership like in today's football world?
0: Well, we are two weeks away from the NBA draft, and the smoke is billowing, as they say. De'Aaron Fox now. We're getting the De'Aaron Fox, Alonzo Ball. Uh, who's the right number two pick? Uh, first, let me introduce my esteemed guest. In addition to Mike Sealski, Zach Berman, uh, Eagles NFL Eagles writer, Inquirer S- Eagles writer
1: slash NBA draft well, and like, college basketball aficionado. He is That's
0: a a huge hoops head. And so thrilled to be on talking work. about this. He is also a big. I learned this last year while we were chatting in the or two years ago we were chatting in the green room. Um, he's a big pizza Aficionado Oh Which, Nobody
3: knows pizza The way Zach does Much to the dismay Of my wife Yes <laughs> Why <laughs> She anti-pizza Nah She wants me to eat Less pizza Probably more salads But uh,
0: <laughs> I I love a good pizza You see The thing with salads Is like They're tricky Cause like If you just eat lettuce They're healthy But the
1: with
3: way the I dress Yeah it's like...
1: Once you start dumping The hard boiled <laughs> eggs And the <laughs> thousand <laughs> island Dressing on it Yeah
0: I know I mean it doesn't Really do you good To slather your Greens in hydrogenated oil No No do they make those hydrogenated oils anymore? I don't know. They, they probably didn't banned. All right, well, we're going to talk. We're going we're gonna to break down the NBA draft. Zach Berman has huge amounts of, copious amounts of college hoops knowledge, uh, and he's just bursting at the seams <laughs> to talk about it after two weeks of Eagles OTAs. But first, um, we're going to try to open up each show by taking a rundown of, of That's some, a of, good way the, some of the storylines, um, just to kind of reset me more than anything. Yeah,
1: as opposed to a rundown of what's inside your head. Exactly. Um because there's been a lot of stuff
0: going on in Philadelphia sports here. It's not it's not the most uh, uplifting time to be alive uh, in the metropolis. <laughs> but, um, you know, we got a lot of stuff. For instance, the Phillies are apparently discussing or have had internal discussions about sending Michael Franco back to AAA. Uh, Michael Franco has not looked good this year, Matt. No. Uh, Zach, have you watched a lot of Phillies baseball? <laughs>
3: I've had it on the background. But yeah. uh, more NBA playoffs than Phillies baseball, to yeah, be honest. Well,
0: it's probably the right decision. Yeah, um, For your own well-being. <laughs> Frank is hitting 209. This is as of Wednesday when we are recording this podcast. He's hitting 209 with a two sixty eight on base percentage and a 7, six seventeen OPS. Zach, if you do not know what those numbers mean,
3: I do. They I, mean I do. I'm in the stats. He's been very bad. He's not good.
0: Uh, he has neither hit for power nor reached base, which is not a good combination in baseball. <laughs> the weird thing is his strikeout. Like he's not striking out.
1: No, he just, you know, he looks doesn't like put he, the ball in play with any
0: pop. He honestly looks when he swings a bat right now. He looks the way I feel in the tee box on a golf course that's deep like just swing it blindly man <laughs> like head going all over the place yeah. and ball.
3: i've never golfed before so i don't know that reference. well yeah
1: yeah it only when, when murph golfs it only looks like that a major league pitcher is throwing him a slider low and away
3: my
0: Fair it's enough. not so much golf as chasing a, a ball around the woods it is.
3: <laughs> you feel the way i used to feel in the in the batter's box that's yeah. yes. yes and i was
0: never i played one <laughs> season of baseball fifth grade did not go back didn't go well um, All right, so what, what do we- you think? I mean, do, do you think this is a... You've been down to the Phillies a couple times this year. What, mm-hmm. what do you think about Franco?
1: Uh, what do I think about him? I, I
0: I mean, on like a concrete level, not like...
1: Yeah. I don't th- write a poem or anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think, on the one hand, I think people are forgetting that in a perverse way that he's playing poorly is a good thing in the sense that this whole year, you've, you've written about this, Murph, this idea of... Well, the Phillies should do something right away to fix this problem. Well, the whole point of the season was to figure out what you would have moving forward. What was going to, you know, what players were going to have staying power. And part of that discovery process was finding out whether Michael Franco could be an everyday, middle of the lineup, third baseman. And it's turning out that perhaps he is not that player. Um do you send him down for a couple weeks to see if he gets his head on straight? I don't. I don't see the the downside to that as long as you have someone who can play an adequate third base in his place. Um, but the idea that you need to get Mike Franco fixed, otherwise the future of your entire franchise or your rebuilding efforts are in jeopardy, uh, I think is is incorrect. I think part of the season, the big part of the season, was finding out whether he was going to be one of the, the quote unquote guys, and it may turn out that he's just not.
0: Zach, so, like, you covered some nationals for the post. Mm-hmm. Spot duty. Mm-hmm. Um baseball is just a mind bleep of a sport. And like I, we talk about finding out, but you see a Herrera have two solid seasons with virtually identical numbers, and he's I mean mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's takes a step back in year th- I mean huge step back in year three. Looks like yeah. you know, looks like a rule five pick, right? That shouldn't be in the major leagues necessarily. Um what would your how would you operate i mean can you is there fixing or do you just have to let a guy kind of see what he is
3: i would keep i would go the other way and bring all the young guys up that are that are near ready uh and and let them take their lumps now um because i i think there's more benefit in failing at the major league level than there is at succeeding um at 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 the triple a level now you know these guys better than me in 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 terms of the psyche of a ball player. Uh, but i'm I'm of the opinion that let them fail and learn how to fail now.
0: Well, they're definitely learning that. Yeah. <laughs> the problem with the young guys is they have they have not played particularly well not down all on the of the them farm have, no. I mean JP Nick Bro- Williams has, though. Nick Williams yeah. is getting there. um he he's been hot. Uh, the problem is the guy who's been hottest – Reese Hoskins is a guy who plays the same position as the one guy who is actually yeah. hot at the major league <laughs> level in Tommy Joseph, and and they're really uh, well. Let me ask you: Is there a workaround for that? Is there? I don't know. I mean, you you saw Tommy Joseph try to be, break up a double play a couple nights ago. At the, yeah,
1: at, at this point, he can't.
0: It's not like he can run in the outfield. No,
1: anything. he can't. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, gosh, I remember watching the Phillies try to turn Ryan Howard into a left fielder. Um, so that they could possibly move him. Ooh, that him. happened? Oh, yeah, back in 04 and 05. Wow. And it was not pretty. Um, and I don't think you could do the same thing with Joseph, certainly based on what we've seen of him. And I haven't seen enough of Rice Hoskins to know whether he could make him an outfielder, but it doesn't seem Rice. Good. Rice. Wasn't it? Reese? I've always Reese said a? Reese. Reese? Okay, Reese R-H-Y-S. Os- R-H-Y-S? Yeah. R H Y S. Reese Rice?
0: Maybe it's like just a... Bob an Hoskins? An <laughs> maybe it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Can we just call him Bob? It might just be an empty syllable. It could
1: like. be. Like, wow. <laughs> anyway, to answer your question, no, you, you, uh, you know, th- there's an impasse there, uh, I would agree. I mean, I see the merit of what Zach is saying, and I, I'm not closing the door to that completely. I just wonder, um, you know, as you said, Murph, how many of these guys really are ready? I mean, only within the last week or so has J.P. Crawford really started to Well, hit I, th- I
0: think the, the argument, and to, to stick with Zach, is I, I, think readiness, Fine, whatever. I think readiness at times gets a little overrated once you reach the, reach the upper levels of the minors. I mean... Look, guys, guys come up and struggle, and then they figure it out. I'm of the belief that you can only figure out how to hit major league pitching once you start seeing major league pitching. And um, you know, Nick Williams has been at AAA now for you know a year, solid year, year mm-hmm. and a half, and he's pretty much been the same player. You know, it, it's put it this way: if he does not turn into an everyday major leaguer, it won't be because the Phillies called him up too early. Mm. You know, it will be because he's not an everyday major leaguer. Uh, I guess the one thing you could argue is rather than call him up and remove all doubt Mm -hmm. from other teams that may be interested in acquiring him, um, because I think that's where the Phillies are at right now in the rebuilding process, that you might have to try to start shipping some of these guys. You know, they need pitching more than anything else. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, But anyway, we've already spent way too much time on that one. (laughs) The Eagles kicked off their second week of veteran OTAs on Tuesday. Zach was there yesterday. I was there yesterday. Mike Sealski was there yesterday. Um, it, Carson Wentz did not look good, but it was pra- raining. It's practice. We talk about practice, um, and he happened to throw a lot of balls to Russell Douglas, who was lining up with the first team defense. Mm-hmm. Zach, what, what do you think, of Russell Douglas? Do you think he is going to be uh, now? Ron Brooks was not there, um, but how do you see that cornerback position shaking out? Jim Schwartz was not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not, not exactly encouragement. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I I think that they're going to give Rasul Douglas every chance to win a job um, this summer. Uh, J- uh Jamal Mills is going to be in their top 3. Patrick Robinson, uh I think they'd be comfortable with him in, th- in the top 3, but I do think they're going to give uh they're, they'll give Douglas every chance to win that job. They like Ron Brooks in the slot. Actually, in those first four games, when Brooks was healthy, he played well. He, he played yeah. well there. Uh, so you need to see how he recovers from the injury. But but depth is a concern there, and they're going to take their lumps at, at that position while waiting for Sidney Jones to get. Do healthy. you think?
0: I mean, is Jalen Mills strictly a slot?
3: No, no, they view him as an inside-outside guy, and I think he's going to start on the outside and base. But one thing they'll experiment is moving him on the inside in those nickel situations, because I do think there's a, a degree of long-term planning here, and they know that their best-case scenario is Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas on the outside.
0: So do you think, for this year coming up, um, assuming everybody stays healthy, do you think the outside corners week one are Patrick Robinson, Jalen Mills, and the slot Ron Brooks and Rasul Douglas playing dime?
3: I think that uh, that would be the way I would write it up now, but I, th- I believe that they're going to give Douglas a chance to unseat Patrick Robinson.
0: Uh, Patrick Robinson, one kind of inside football observation – from mm-hmm. me, very small head. <laughs> like it, it's like <laughs> what's an, that mean? What's that? Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. it's an amazingly small head. Yeah. Like he's a, he's a slight. I don't know. He just got a, a slight. Uh,
1: like Michael Keaton at the end of Beetlejuice. I don't know. Head. Yeah, it's
0: just like uh, it's interesting. I mean, we always talk about guys with big heads. We never give yeah. any respect <laughs> to the guys with small heads. He's just got a remarkably small face. That's just what <laughs> I've noticed. Um, I didn't
3: see that in any scouting reports when they signed. No, I don't. I don't know yeah. if that. I
0: don't know if that was in there. I'm not sure if that was a uh, deciding factor or not. Uh, But the Flyers We'll talk about them Throw them a bone Sure Because I know you're itching for that Oh yeah Uh, Oscar Lindblom Yes uh, Was described on our website As highly touted
1: Highly touted For a fifth round pick
0: I never really trust Dangling uh, Superlatives like that Mm -hmm. Like who is touting him And and how high (laughs) (laughs) Do you know anything about this Oscar Lindblom The Flyers I guess Drafted him in the fifth round In 2014 Um and he was just signed to a entry level deal. Yeah. I guess that means he's coming to play.
1: Yeah, it, it, by all indications. Enlighten um, us. Sure. By all indications, they're going to give him a chance to to play the left wing next season. He, what uh, line? Um, I think, you know, probably on one of their top two lines. Mm. Um, you know, th- they are. Th- he performed very well at the Swedish league. He was a he was a very productive, you know, scoring forward down there. Um. And that encouraged them. Obviously, a fifth-round pick its kind of similar to the NFL. You don't expect a whole lot from a fifth-round pick out of the NHL draft. But the kids surprised them, and they are in desperate need of skill and scoring on their first two lines. It was part of the reason um, that they were willing to take on the salary of um, Valtteri Filippola last year, um, even though he's a 33-, 34-year-old guy. They just needed more depth and more scoring talent up there. So they're going to give him a shot. Um, you know, I think they're still they're, – they're kind of in that same stage where the Phillies are where – people are starting to get impatient with why haven't they made this big push when are we going to see more of these prospects and things like that but by the same token you know they're not ready even if they they were to bring rush all these guys up there they're not ready to make any kind of push yet to to the top of the nhl now maybe that's number two overall pick yeah Still well let's takes, talk about that I, process
0: is it conventional wisdom that that guy is playing for them this year uh, Not I, Oscar Lindblom, the number two pick. No, the
1: number to. two pick. I, I
0: think which it, right now is either Os- is a uh, Nolan Patrick mm-hmm. Nico. Or, or Nico Heisler. Yeah. And is there a consensus number one of those two? There
1: had been a consensus that Nolan Patrick was the num- was going to be the number one pick um, within the last month or two. That's changed um, because
0: sports writers got bored and started speculating, I or because that, it actually changed. I think
1: <laughs> that's part of it. I think um, Patrick has um, has had some significant injuries, including a sports hernia, um, and I think. You know, scouts and executives um, feel like Heichler might be the safer bet. You know. Okay,
0: so Patrick was originally the number one. Yeah,
1: yeah, and now you know they've seen more of Heisler and they like him. Um, and is
0: he the guy that steps right in and and?
1: Well, I th- I mean that depends on y- by year from year to year. Um, it's it's not unheard of for a, a top one or two pick to step right in. Whether these guys will do it or not, I think at this point is kind of an open question. They're both talking like they can. Um, Ron Hextall is. I think his instinct is to make the, the young kids, like, ride on the bus for a year and, and you know, knock around a la Nucle-Lush and Bull Durham. Um, and so I would be surprised, at least initially, if whoever they took at the number two pick were with the team. But starter.
0: what level, from a kind of five- to ten-year perspective, what, or a generational perspective, what mm-hmm. um, type, what level prospects are these guys? Put this in the NBA terms
1: okay, um, for Zach and I. I think... It's not a it's not a LeBron, Carmelo kind of draft in that regard. I do think it might be a Kyrie Irving kind of draft with uh-huh. one of those two guys. Where so who's Derrick Williams? That's a good question. I don't know that necessarily either one of them yeah. is Derrick Williams. Um, you know, but they're both really highly regarded players, and they're both considered. It, the way it's it's looked at now is that it's those two guys, and then everybody else in the draft. So the likelihood that the Flyers would trade down, for instance, um, is fairly remote. I think.
0: So this jumped out at me. Uh, and I have no idea if this guy is legit or not. But uh, some website called DallasBasketball.com had a report that multiple teams are willing to offer Nerlens Noel a max contract this offseason. Is, is it possible that Nerlens Noel signs a max contract this offseason? Absolutely. Really? Possible. You think so? Sure. Man. <laughs> <laughs> like, talk about a way to mess up the economics of your squad, I would think. You know? Well, like, I mean, we're talking about. I mean, we're t- like Dallas, for Dallas. To give New Orleans a max contract, it would be five years at like twenty-seven million dollars. Uh, yeah,
3: yeah I think that's about yeah. right. Yeah, I
0: think it's about is that? Right. I mean,
1: I mean, I it depends on what you think New Orleans know. Well, what is. do you think? That's what I'm asking. I think he's a, he has is approaching uh, on track to become an elite defensive player, and if you can cover him up, I guess is the best way to put it on offense. Um, you know, can he be a Tristan Thompson kind of guy, or something even more than that? Um, and what is that worth? I don't know. Well,
3: this you, is the you, whole pur- just, you
0: just repeated my question back to me. Now, I asked you whole, what it was worth.
3: Uh, this is the whole purpose of the Supermax that was put in in the past CBA, is that um, there's more max contract money than there is max contract players, or than there are max contract players, right. I should say. so. Uh, if if you are a team like Dallas and you have what's n- is is he twenty three years old, twenty two years old? Yeah, about that. Um, and and you have a a player who can be, as Mike said, a a potential difference maker on the defensive side, protecting the rim, which has significant value in in the NBA. That's a skill set you need to pay for.
0: Yeah, but in the NBA, uh, the way I look at the salary structure, anyway, you c- you can have three max guys, mm-hmm. and, and still fill out a roster around mm-hmm. them. Like, but
3: based on that logic, then there's 90 max players in the NBA, and there probably aren't 90 players you would argue deserve max deals. Right? No,
0: you're right. But uh, I guess the, I guess I'm looking at this like I guess I'm taking a a hinky hinky esque look at this kind of thing. Is, is a team that has Nerlens Noel worth, as one New of your is
1: Nerlens Noel t- worth limiting your flexibility moving? No, forward? what
0: I'm well. Let me ask you this: If Nerlens Noel, well, if you're if Nerlens Noel well is one of the top three players on your team, mm-hmm. is your team an NBA championship contender?
1: If he's the th- third best player of those three. Do you think so? I think it's possible.
0: I mean, compare it to... I mean, you're not... Well, let's take the Warriors out of it, because no one's beating them if mm. they they stay. Right? Unless you think the Cavs... I
3: agree Then no one's beating the Warriors.
0: Um, what do you think that series is? I, I say Warriors in five.
3: Yeah, That's five or six. Six,
1: I would six. say.
0: Uh, I mean, they're ridiculous. Yeah. But So let's take them out of it. Okay. What about the Cavs?
1: <sighs> I mean, the Cavs are... A, what about the Cavs in terms of what? Or do
3: they have
0: Lebron, f- Love, Kyrie. Kyrie,
3: and they have four max players. I yeah. mean, when you look at what Tristan, Tristan Thompson paid, does, they have yeah. four. Yeah. But they're paying a tax. Yeah.
1: So,
0: um,
1: you know, but do you? That that's the question, though. I mean, like I said, do you regard New Orleans Noel as a Tristan Thompson? Because at this point, Tristan Thompson is basically a max player. Um, you know. Now.
0: Yeah, but I mean, his deal was eighty-two million dollars. I mean, New Orleans Noel, we're talking about. I mean, I think, could, I think I saw 110, maybe 109,
1: for five years, or 120. Yeah, for a five-year deal.
0: Um, if, if you were the Sixers, would you advocate that? I mean, clearly yeah. they answered Isn't that. that. Why they yeah. traded yeah. him? That's why yeah. they well, traded no, that's him. but cl- what w- would you? I mean, was that? And this was the argument I brought up at the time where there's yeah. no Noel. You're going to have to sign him to a something ridiculous. I didn't. I didn't know that it would necessarily be a max deal.
1: Um, given where they were. Given where they are now, I'm not sure. I don't see how you could sign them to a max deal. I mean, the issue I had with the trade was that you waited so long that y- you didn't get market value for them.
0: And um, I agree, but I'm just talking yeah. about. I, I'm, t- I'm trying to put the economics of the NBA. I'm trying to figure out. Like, for instance, would you rather. Do you think, Dar- if they're both free agents, who do you think is worth more on the free agent market, Nerns Lowell or Sarge? Phew.
3: Go ahead, Zach. Uh, I would say I I need to see more of Sarich. I I would say right now Noel because he has the skill set of protecting the rim.
0: But I guess – so So this is what I'm looking at. Like It's going to be interesting because let's say this guy actually turns out for the Sixers that they draft that we're going to be talking about Mm -hmm. over the next 10 to 15 minutes. All of a sudden you got – I mean, Ben Simmons is – As far as we know, you have to plan on him being a max contract guy. Absolutely, Joel Embiid. Obviously, if he's healthy, even if he's not healthy, you got to plan on him being a max Mm -hmm. contract guy. Um, You know, then you have the number three pick in the draft now, Mm -hmm. and then you have Mm Sarch, and that's before you even get to the Kings and the Lakers picks and the Sixers pick. But that's the
3: benefit of rookie contracts is that you can wait four years before you need to worry about. it.
0: Right, but they're all going to be hitting at the same time.
3: But but they could, in, in theory, sign someone now. And it's not on the books, right? Not
0: not if you sign own Like, all right, so let's say you signed Nerlens well, in well, the sure, a five years. Sure, the calculation they made. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, this is why I don't know if any team. It's like I would always want to keep the flexibility to like the whole Kyle Lowry thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you have one shot essentially, you know. Especially if all these guys pan out that the Sixers have drafted, um, like you have one shot to sign a free agent over the next five years, because that contract's on your books then yeah. for the next. Like, but this
3: was the reason Sam Presti traded James Harden was because you can only have X amount of max contract guys. You want flexibility moving forward and I guess their valuation or evaluation of him at the time was that He was the the you one know, you didn't you wanted to get you yeah. were willing to get rid of. And 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 they, they you know they got actually that Kyle Lowry pick in the deal. Um the, the pick that Houston got for the, for for Lowry. It turned into Jeremy Lamb, and then the next one turned into Stephen Adams, so you can argue that one well. Uh but now Stephen Adams is a max contract guy. So, which max contract I would rather have, James Harden or Stephen Adams? Yeah,
0: the, yeah. I just think that the whole the whole notion of the process was Hinkie did not want to get him into a posi- himself into a position where you're settling for, like to me, like signing Nerns Lomoto max contract is the same as like signing Iguodala a con- max contract, where all of a sudden you're like three years later, you know.
1: I don't know, but I think it depends on who you're. Again, in that situation. Andre Iguodala was your max contract guy. Was a max contract guy and your best player. And the economics
0: are different now. Yeah, exactly.
1: and, you know, um, you know, Elton Brand was a max contract guy at the time, um, and he was, you know, not worth the max contract once you signed him. Right. Um,
0: so That's my whole point. Is my my number one goal would be would be to avoid would be to avoid until I have a f- complete team. And I don't think the Mavericks have anything close to a complete team right now. Would be unless you have a guy you can definitely build around. I think you have to add the players in the order of their o- number one, number two, number three. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's like I don't know that that opportunity
1: always presents itself. And and if you're the Mavericks, is there anything wrong with if you say we're going to need three, we're going to you need three max contract guys to compete for a championship legitimately? Is it necessarily wrong to sign the guy who you think might be the second or third best guy of the three?
3: Also, if you're willing to pay the tax, then the the, the, yeah. the whole discussion right. changes.
0: That's that's fair enough. Um, what's Marcus Smith up to these days?
3: <laughs> I think he's he's trying to get released or waiting to get released. Uh, in, in, in talking more about Sour Cap, uh, the Eagles would save money if they cut him before training camp. Mm. And e- even if they brought him into training camp, I don't think he'd be on the 53 uh, come September. So it's probably more advantageous for him to find a new team now than a new team then i don't know if that's the strategy he's taking but he's certainly not helping his case on being here by not being here does he does he really think I, I, that's the the part i like does he really think that by not showing
1: up he's going to yeah they may release him and does he does he think that's going to help him end up is he just willing to go to any situation i guess is what i'm asking it's rather, a good question you know well, rather than this it's one it's
3: the 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 one thing i could say for sure is it's easier to make another team's roster if you're on it in June than if you just join it in August, mm-hmm. and that's that's I think the argument.
0: Well, I guess the other consideration is maybe he's, he's never struck me as a guy who like goes to fe- goes to bed holding a football on his arm no. and and dreaming of uh, gridiron glory. <laughs> it's a guaranteed contract, correct? I mean, he's going to get paid either way.
3: Yes, but the the bonus money um, there's there's money that he would get. Uh, at the start of training camp, that the Eagles—if he's be on the roster—but
0: yeah. but if he sees the writing on the wall and is like, well, whatever, man, might mm-hmm. as well just get a jump start on retirement, right? He's <laughs> not—he's not gaining anything financially. to <laughs> Still, try to play. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't think. Well, this is say, I would, retirement papers. I would quibble with his, the, adv- the the advice he's. Yeah,
1: getting. but he did have that sack against Tyron Smith. <laughs> yes, yes. Jim Schwartz pointed yeah. out yesterday. But
0: you know what? I, I agree with Jim Schwartz. Like Marcus Smith, actually, like there were moments last year where he looked competent. You know,
3: he's our number five defensive end. Though, yeah,
0: right now. no, I know. I mean, the writings uh, would, would not appear to be likely that he's on the team this year. Um, but like you can see why I just think he has no motor whatsoever. And he really doesn't care because like you could see why there are moments where you can see w- what people saw on him. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. You kind of just see it. Like, he I flash. Hate- he flashes. That's their that's the new the new verb of choice in the in the NFL these days. He flashes.
0: Um. And last question before we get on to the NBA draft. Actually, let's get the NBA draft
1: now. Okay.
0: Uh, De'Aaron Fox met with the Sixers at the draft combine uh, to discuss, among other things, the way he'd fit with Ben Simmons, which has been the big question. Big question. First, Zach, w- what do you make of the Ben Simmons point guard talk? Um, love it, love but it. But is it something? It. Is it something that like there's two kinds of like, like is he literally the guy you're going to have bringing the ball up every single time?
3: for the mo- I mean I I don't want to view it as as point guard per se because he's not going to I don't think he'll he'll cover the other okay. team's point guard. Who's but the other he, guard I guess? He'll be the facilitator and then you need you need that second guard to so need to take ball to, to be guard a point guard.
0: Okay. So so essentially I'm not sure that the Ben Simmons thing is a limiting factor at all then, right?
1: I I don't think it is. I th- I mean, or it I
0: shouldn't be in my opinion.
1: If if the model you're going for is the that Ben Simmons is a la LeBron.
0: He's Ward. a la. <laughs> uh, Praise be.
1: Well, <laughs> he is like LeBron, or he's like Scottie Pippen. Then you're still going to need another guard who can handle the ball out there, uh, and so that I'm not sure that would limit them necessarily prohibit them from drafting a guy like Fox. Um, you know, and and the fle- you know getting back to the question we had discussed earlier about flexibility with a roster and things like that. Just kind of looking at the 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 landscape right now, I would feel more comfortable with them with the Sixers if they were to if they say, okay, we need we need a shooter, and De'Aaron Fox is the best player available to us at number three. I don't know that he is, and I'm not saying that they should absolutely take him if he's at three. Um, That's what you wrote. I'm no, holding it's not. you to. Yes, it is. No, it's. Not. Yes, wrote, it is. I wrote, yes, I wrote it is. that. Yes, it is. If yes, it is. <laughs> You said they should take Fox over Monk. That's yeah, that, that, right. Yeah. Nope, yeah, that not according game. to phil.com commenters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would rather do that because I think you can get a J.J. Redick or another established shooter, and I would prefer that combination, let's say right. Redick and Fox, to drafting a guy in Monk who you hope becomes J.J. Redick and then going out and signing a point guard.
3: But but uh, let me ask this, okay, because – and. I'll preface this by saying I don't cover the NBA. I haven't covered college basketball since 2010. But let me preface I, this
1: by saying I um, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I
3: watch I watch an inordinate amount of college basketball. I'm in a fantasy college basketball league, matter of fact. I think I, I think um,
0: your wife might have more of an issue with that than the pizza. <laughs> yeah, event. probably so. It might be that like you're eating that's pizza a while point. doing well, all this that's thing.
3: That's a good point. <laughs> um, no, but th- what what makes De'Aaron Fox special is. What he does with the ball in his hands, and he has such a high usage rate. What what makes Ben Simmons special is is what he can do with the ball in his hands. Uh, I think that the 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 initial problems you saw when LeBron went to Cleveland, where uh, Kyrie was so ball dominant, and, and what did that make LeBron? I I it. That could come up here. What what Fox just just Fox for the record, such a high just for the career. record, the initial
1: problems have led to three straight appearances in the NBA Finals. Well, because, finals. because Kyrie,
3: <laughs> because Kyrie is an outstanding shooter now and and an outstanding scorer. Is is De'Aaron well, Fox he, ever going to be that type of player? With well, like like my issue, and I think De'Aaron Fox is an extraordinary talent. But I think the presumption that that he's this, he's this great athlete, he's nineteen years old, he, he he'll learn how to shoot. You could have made that argument about Alfred Payton. You could have made that argument uh, to a certain extent about Michael Carter Williams. Um, I, it, it's, it's 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 not a given. Someone learns how to shoot, and then you're stuck with with a, 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 a great athlete who's dominating the ball, and uh, Ben Simmons is 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 on the side waiting for a, for a a pass for a shot he's not hitting. I, I mean that's I I think fit matters. I'm not quite there yet. I'm really not, and I
1: think I don't know. This this may be a bad analogy, but I would argue that um, in some regards, and and in some ways, they're completely unique. But the the Warriors kind of blew that idea up, in the sense that you could, in some ways, you couldn't come up with more similar players than now. They're all great, um, but the three guys, you know, the, the idea of like just finding guys as many guys who can shoot as possible. Um, you know, in Curry and Thompson, and and now Durant, um, I don't worry about that as much. I guess is what I'm saying from you see, a stylistic I, standpoint.
3: I disagree with you when you bring up the Warriors because I think what makes I think one of the things that makes the Warriors special is that is that Clay Thompson is not ball dominant. That that he that he catches and shoots. That he he comes. That if if you look at the amount of times. That Clay Thompson has to put the ball on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a small number there compared to his production. Uh, whereas as Darren Fox and the game that you pointed out in, in your in, in your comment and, and you were, were right to do it, uh, the NCAA tournament game against against Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, or, or no, no sorry against, against UCLA, UCLA yeah. against UCLA it was. Him creating so often and beating Lonzo Ball, for that matter. Um, the other game you pointed out, uh, the UNC, the Monk. The, yeah, the, 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 the Monk game, game against Monk. Carolina, that was not the case. It was him coming off screens. It, it, it was mm-hmm. uh, uh, he's he's such a, an effective scorer and he's a great athlete. to boot. Um, I just think Monk is such a good fit. Murph.
0: Um. I'll be honest. I haven't watched a ton of bunk. I haven't watched enough to, mm-hmm. um, or at least I haven't focused on them enough to. And I don't think I don't know. It's tough to like talk about these guys individually when you know you haven't seen enough of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but like theoretically, I think it's a mistake to take fit into the equation.
3: I, I I've I've read you write that, and I understand, but. Ben and Simmons I understand Simmons you disagree. Oh,
0: I know, yeah. but he. We also. So here's the thing. There's like a number of different factors here, and I think sometimes we miss. A, we miss. We misestimate, um, kind of the risk reward percentages on mm-hmm. these guys. Like nobody knows what Ben Simmons is yet. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um,
3: but not considering fit is also how you end up with Nerlens Noel, John right, Bead, and Julie Okafor. Right. But
0: what I'm saying is, if like, to draft a pol- you're drafting a guy, who fits with the idea of Ben Simmons, not necessarily. Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons is well, you, like he, maybe he like the number one pick in Ben Simmons well he, I know he's
3: not this like he, he's not this figurative person oh, I know
0: just, but I mean the the thought process like like here's the situation if you passed on a guy if you selected a guy who fit with what you think Ben Simmons can become and passed on a guy who you think has more upside but is more ball dominant you'd be I, I think you've got more outs if that guy if both of them Turn into ver- the players yeah. you, you hope think they would be versus if Ben Simmons does not turn into the player and you pass you pass up on okay. a guy who might have been that player.
3: But what if Fox doesn't turn into that? Player? No, I know. So that's, uh, yeah. that's but and I'm just saying there's percent. Like and, it's. And I'm I'm not even arguing just just Monk. Actually, the the, the player I really like and I told Mike this yeah. yesterday is 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 Jonathan Isaac at Florida State. All right, well, break,
0: break him down because I don't I haven't seen him much.
3: I mean, he's he can guard four positions for you. That's. That's that's number one. Um, he's built very similarly to Brandon Ingram last year, so real skinny, but he's he's legit, you know, six ten, um, and he can shoot. Uh, so the comp that I would give, if, if if I were to give one, is Rashard Lewis, uh, and that fits in terms of what the Sixers are looking for.
1: I'm kind of with Murph in the sense that I'm not at the stage yet. Like they're gonna try Ben Simmons at point guard. Um, but Simmons also spent a lot of time on the block at LSU, mm-hmm. um, not just backing guys down, but acting as a, a post-passer and those sure. sorts of things. Um,
3: Wouldn't it help to pass to
1: someone who can shoot? Well, yeah, I mean, you're going to yeah, have... Yeah, but you can sign somebody you can, who can A, you can shoot. sign somebody who can shoot, shoot. B, you have a big man, who presumably, shoot? who can shoot.
3: That's a great point. I, I see you there. You know, and
1: point. with respect to, you know... I, I'm a believer. I keep going back to this example but you know the Portland Trailblazers in 1984 was yeah it was 84 had the same question they needed a center and And they they had had an elite shooting guard in Clyde Drexler and so they passed on Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. and I think I think where Murph's point is particularly relevant is the idea that we're getting caught up in in looking at the Sixers because it's been four years of tanking relatively speaking and thinking, okay, now they have to start settling into who this is, wh- sure. where this is going to be. I'm not quite sure they're there
3: well, yet. Well, I'll give you a different end. I see your point there, and I can't dispute that. You're 100% correct. Uh, and I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head, but um, the Golden State Warriors had had this accumulation of, 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 of talent where they had Monte Ellis and, and Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. and what And what they determined was that to maximize Steph Curry they needed monte uh, They they needed Curry on the ball more. Mm-hmm. They shipped Ellis out, mm-hmm. brought in Andrew Bogut, someone who could protect the rim. That it made more sense, and then everything's kind of taken off since then.
1: Right, and 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 that's my point is that the Sixers are still at the stage. I think Murph and I have discussed this before. I feel like they're still at the stage where you have to be open to that. Like, for instance, with respect to Sarge, like if if Simmons becomes your four, let's say you have to be open to the possibility of moving sarge. I'm not saying you shop him. I'm saying that if you if you decide that fox is clearly ahead of everybody else, mm-hmm. that that's the guy he's the most talented guy. My at this stage I would say, okay, then you take fox and you see how things play out. And if you have to move sarge, then you have to that's something you have to think about. Sure. Um, you know, at this point, the only guy I can see that you have, you know, that you really have to say, this is the guy, you know, we don't move, we don't touch, we give him the max deal and hope he stays healthy is in B. Okay, um,
3: I would put Ben Simmons there, but I, I'm 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 willing, to, Sim- I'm willing yeah.
1: to put him there, too. I just, I want to see him first. Okay. You know, and I want to see, how, because he's so versatile, I want to see how it plays out. Maybe he comes m- becomes more of a four than he is of a one. Um, I don't know yet. I don't know. I
0: think that's what, I think that's where, I, like, to me, you're, I, I think what the mistake is like I think it would be a mistake look, you take fit into the equation to a certain extent. Like don't draft another big man, obviously. Right. Um but I think it would you should be looking at this as what is the best combination that we can get out of Ben Simmons and the number three pick in the draft versus this is what this is the role we're gonna use Ben Simmons in. We need to cater the number three pick around that. Because Fair if enough. Ben Simmons so versatile, it, I don't know. I just yeah. think it would be a mistake to.
3: I, I see your point. Now, what I. Uh, and Brian Clangel has obviously not asked me for advice, <laughs> but I would look um, the trade down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would look at Orlando and try to get one of their wings, now whether it's Evan Fournier, who. I, I'm not as high on Terrence Ross, but if it, there's a way they can get Evan Fournier and, and and move down to six, and then there's a handful of players there who are intriguing, and, and, and whether it's Dennis Smith Jr. Um, or Monk or Jonathan Isaac uh, or even if De'Aaron Fox were to somehow slip, if if a, if a team wanted Jason Tatum, you know, um, but. Uh, these are the conversations I, I, I would be having mm-hmm. as opposed to just saying who's the third best player in this draft. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's I, I've said I that all throughout. Yeah. I think
0: every option and this is why I mean, I know Sam Hankey thought like this. I'm curious to see how Brian Colangelo operates. Like you need to have every single scenario, every possible combination. Um, you know, what will Team X give you for Ben Simmons, for Darius Arts, for everybody really except them beat, I would yeah. say, um, you know, what you know. The number three pick in the Lakers pick. What can that get us? Number three pick, Kings pick. Number three, you know, like you need to have, and then you need to take all of these. You need to find the best combination of five. You know, out of that,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and that might look a lot drastically different than just sure. taking the number three guy just, in the draft.
3: The only thing that I would caution, and I agree with. I I, I told Mike this yesterday, so I'm, I'm not just I'm, I'm not just puffing him up here. I agree with ninety percent of uh, of what he wrote about Fox. But but whether you're talking about Fox, whether you're talking about about uh, Josh Jackson. The one thing I will caution against is is, is saying the just that imagine gonna what he's going to be when he can shoot. Yeah, right. Because oh yeah, and that's my, fair because that's because fair. the same thing was said about Michael Gilchrist with the number two pick, and we're what four years into that, and Michael Gilcrest still isn't shooting well. Yeah, mm. that's yeah. fair. Yeah. So yeah. not
1: I, every guard is Mike Conley who, f- sure, who figures exactly. it. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Um, I, I think the counter argument would be to that would be uh, there are plenty of pl- plenty of players, particularly at the point guard position. Um, that have been good NBA players that haven't been able to shoot necessarily.
3: Which good point guards now don't shoot?
4: Ray
0: John right now, well, Rondo was one. I was going to get John Wall's not a great shooter. Um, like, um, like I'm saying, great shooter. Like, like Drew Holiday's not a great shooter. Um, Rondo would be the one that I. Yeah. I.
3: And there's a reason why Rondo's been now on four teams in three years.
0: Uh yeah you're correct you're absolutely I'm and just I, saying
1: yeah. some of that is demeanor though isn't sure. it too
0: my I, and I, this is this is an argument that more goes towards Josh Jackson who yeah. really scares me probably more than anybody yeah, in the me draft too. Me too. Um, whereas to me if he can't shoot he can't give you any Anything. utility whatsoever right. except right. as like maybe a Robert Covington type you know um or like a seventh seventh or, man or, off I like, a okay right whereas Girkus. I think that uh Fox has the the vision the IQ the handle and the frame the projectable frame. To, uh, you know, at least give you some utility.
1: Yeah, and by all accounts, the demeanor and the the the, the, willing, yeah. the competitive, yeah. the defense, that sort of stuff. So, we got to get Bob Cooney on Absolutely. here. Absolutely. I Zach, love this guy. One
3: Thank more. What, so what, what do you think
0: Hold about on. Jason Tatum? Because uh, he's another guy right. yeah. that is kind of divisive. Uh, uh,
3: I see Danny Granger, um, which is bad. W- which is good. Danny Granger's yeah. a good player. Short sixer. <laughs> well, yeah. Time sixer. Short-lived sixer. But right. uh, yeah, no, I I think I think he's. I I would not argue with any of those guys there because I I don't think there's any reach per se at at three, but I think if if I if I had my druthers I would want someone who can shoot.
0: So Monk is your guy.
3: Monk, I'd like Jonathan Isaac, but I I would look into optionality to use Yankees' right. word mm-hmm. and and try to move into that five six range.
0: How he tried to appropriate that word.
1: He did, <laughs> he did.
0: Um. But whatever. We'll talk about that later. Thanks for then, having me on. Thanks that for that joining us. Man. We'll check back after the draft. Uh, now let's go to another basketball guru. We were just talking with Zach Berman. We were. Now we're going to flip to uh, Bob Cooney, uh, Sixers insider, NBA guru, longtime daily news.
1: Frequent talk radio personality. Frequent
0: talk radio personality. You may know him from such as, as Philly Sports Talk, Bob Cooney. Bob, welcome. 97.5 <laughs> The Fanatic. Welcome to the show.
2: Mike and Murph, what's happening?
0: Not much. We uh did you know Zach Berman um was a big hoops head?
2: You know what? I think he got to be that way from his time up in New York, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he uh he knows his hoops and he, he loves it. Yeah, it's always fun uh talking some basketball with Zach.
0: So what uh give me the minus the PowerPoint, give me the presentation on where you think things are right now for the Sixers. Um what are they discussing? what are the likely options and what are the big variables that they're considering over the next couple of weeks, uh, leading up to the draft?
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of it is, you know, it, it's, it's fit or, or best available is, is kind of like your two headlines. Like do you, when you, when the draft comes, are you looking to get that shooter? And, and they need multiple shooters on this team for this thing to start working really well. You got to spread the floor. Uh, with Joel Embiid, with Darius Ars, with Ben Simmons. So you you have to get shooters. The one thing about this draft, although it's a very good draft, especially one through nine, it's a little devoid of shooters, though. I mean, you have Malik Monk, but there's concerns about him because of his size. And seeing him in person up at the draft lottery, he's slight. He's not as tall as you would think. I would say 6'2", 6'3", might be a stretch. Um, So that could concern you a little bit that Martel Fultz is probably, you know, your your best all-around guy, but is he going to be there uh, at three? Should the Sixers stay at three? And do they covet him enough to make moves to try to move up to one and get him? So that's some of the stuff you're looking at. The other is, if you sit at three, is it a given? Is it going to be Fultz and Ball go number one and two to the Celtics and Lakers respectively, and then the Sixers just sit? And then it's a choice between a Josh, a Josh Jackson – uh, the Aaron Fox, uh, some people might say Dennis Smith Jr., but um, I think it basically comes down to those two. Uh, you know, so it's it's kind of, you have a lot of variables. If, if they stand pat, if they maybe even get two guys in this draft, I don't think they're going to fully address the shooting needs that they had. Therefore, you're going to have to hit that on free agency.
1: B- Bobby, if you were the GM, this is a two-part question, if you were the GM, what would you do? And, as a as a kind of a uh, precursor to that how much have you looked at some of these prospects and and who do you like and then based on who you like what would you do
2: that sounds like three questions to it was, me I man. think there's was actually on, 7 Mike. sorry I'm not I'm not that smart I've watched I, I was um, emailing with one of our editors today. I've watched so much film, I'm bleary-eyed at these guys. They're kind of <laughs> starting to run together to me. It, it, all right, if, if say a ball stands packed, say Foltz goes, say Ball goes to the, use, to the Lakers, which might surprise me a little bit because I, I think Magic is holding something up his sleeve, but say Fultz and Ball are gone, I'm really torn on who to go between Josh Jackson and De'Aaron Fox, and I've been saying this for weeks, how much I love De'Aaron Fox. And it started during the season when I started looking at film of Kentucky or watching games of Kentucky, my point to watch them was from Leaf Monk because that's the shooter the Sixers needed. And that was probably the best shooter in the draft. And it was like every time I watched, I found myself just looking at at De'Aaron Fox and watching him the whole time. I think he's going to be something special. Now, if you're talking fit, and I, like I wrote this in a column next week, like last week, if you're talking fit, and maybe that's where you have you know, some drawbacks of going with him. But, man, if you're just looking for a really good basketball player and someone who I think is going to be a really, really good pro, I think the Aaron Fox might be your way to go. Now, Josh Jackson is an elite defender, very, very good athlete. You're going to have to work on his shot. But, but again, also a good all-around basketball player and, and obviously has nice size at 6'8". Um, you know, but, but you're not addressing that guard area that the Sixers really need to address also. So, uh, you know, some days, I lean if it goes one, two, the way everybody expects, sometimes I lean Jackson, sometimes I need mean Fox, but I, I don't think the Sixers could make a mistake if they just sit there and grab one of those two. And what, I'm sorry, Mike, now what, what would I do? Yes. What would you do? I think I would stay. I, I, I don't know. You know, a lot of people talk about moving back, and you can get Monk at five, and then get another a project at ten. But uh, you know, do you need projects? I mean, you still have Furkan Korkmaz, you know, who's a project. You still have Timothy Wall Cabro, who's a project. You have a lot of them, and if if you're in love with Malik Monk that much and think that he's one of the shooters, then grab him at three. I mean, I'm not I'm not this guy that says oh. He's going to be a good pro, but not a three. Like, what, what the hell difference does that make? If you like him and you think he fits your team, then grab him at three. I would stand pat. I wouldn't mind having that choice of Jackson and, and De'Aaron Fox. And then then I would have to flip a coin that night to see who I would go with.
0: Interesting. Do you... That's what
2: I try to be, Murph. Every <laughs> once in a while, I try to be interesting.
0: So you're so here. this is completely unrelated to anything that we've been talking about, um, except that Malik Monk has at times, like I always, I always, I, I've always said kind of like Rip Hamilton. I wouldn't be surprised if mm-hmm. he, like, could be a guy like that. But, like, I'm looking at Rip Hamilton's numbers. You realize he wasn't that great a shooter, Rip Hamilton? No. Um, he shot in, in the two years they went to the NBA Finals. Um, he shot, let's see, he, he shot under 30% from three point range. Um,
1: well, he was. That was back at a time when the mid-range he, game had not been phased out. No, I know, yet. but he wasn't a
0: great. Uh, it was weird because I remember him. Uh, I mean, he only shot forty-four percent from the field. Uh, it was.
4: I don't. Yeah, know, was,
2: Rip Hamilton's problem was that three-point line because he was the perfect mid-range guy. Right. He was the perfect mid-range guy when teams were trying to incorporate the three. So now he was forced to shoot the three because of the incorporation of it. Because teams wanted to try to use it more. Rip Hamilton's numbers plummeted because Rip wasn't, yeah, you know, he wasn't that type of shooter, like you're saying, Mark. He was, he was the ultimate mid-range shooting guy, off the dribble, you yeah. know, pump fake, one dribble, whatever it was. He was that perfect mid-range guy, and the three-point shot actually hurt him numbers-wise through through his years.
0: So I'm gonna stop using that as a comp. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like like the slight build, I think, is what it is. Like that's that's been. Which is weird because De'Aaron Fox measured at the combine a lot, way, way smaller and lighter yeah. than I would have thought. But I just feel like his yeah. frame, he's got such a. He's got the shoulders. shoulders. Yeah, it's like, the
1: Rondo shoulders, you know, that looks
2: like he's got a, like a,
1: a curtain rod. Yeah, and he's <laughs> got long,
0: back. it's a long frame. Like he's got long arms, long yeah. legs. Yeah, it's
2: funny, though, like you guys know this but as well as anyone. Like when you're looking at 18, 19 year olds, like go, right. go to a, you know, don't go to a school that, that has one and done guys, but go to a LaSalle. You know, go to a, a anywhere, a temple, or whatever. Look at a freshman, a 6'8 freshman, and then look at a 6'8 junior. I mean, the two years are, they mean a tremendous amount. Their bodies just, like, grow unbelievably. A lot of these kids, they're just not physically mature yet, and that's the good thing about them. You know, if some of these guys at 18, 19, like, you could, if you go back to high school, the kids that were, like, the greatest high school players, your freshmen, sophomores, were the ones that came in that were just physically more mature than everybody else. Right. Then you get to your junior and senior year, the little runts like I was and stuff like that. Well, their bodies start to fill out and they start to mature and they're on the up where the other guys have leveled. A lot of guys have leveled off. The ones who came in physically mature. A lot of these guys you can look at. If you, if you just look at pictures like one through nine of, of the top drafts for this year, maybe Dennis Smith Jr. looks physically like a, a little bit, you know, physically mature. The rest of them look like zippers. I mean, they're just as thin as can be. You know, they have some short. They look like they can get bigger, and they probably will. But but nobody at 19 years old is as physically mature as they're going to be in the middle of their NBA career, certainly, and not even two years down the road.
0: What do you think the odds are that, like, put a percentage on the Sixers picking at number three, regardless of who it is, and a trade up or a trade down? First of all, I mean, I mean, I, I think the Sixers fans so Sixers fans are great. Philly fans are great in general. But, like my buddy Dan Beatty has talked himself into thinking that uh, it's a no brainer that Celtics should trade that pick because they <laughs> they've already got Isaiah Thomas. You know, right, like right. it's like the uh, yeah. There's no way that's happening unless it's for like I couldn't even picture like if Markel Fultz, put it this way, as long as Markel Fultz is who they, everyone says he is, right? You don't <laughs> you, you don't, don't trade, trade out that of that pick. because you yeah. have Isaiah Thomas. You know, that's just yeah. It doesn't work like
2: or, that. Or or you're looking at it as a tra- like. Uh, is, is he just the, ba- the best, like, and some scouts will say this, he, he's the best of a draft that's a little bit overrated. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, so, does, does, and this happens every year, does, does his, is his stock rising and rising? Because, you know, after him, there's not really any shooters except Monk, but his build is slight. All around, like a great defensive player, Jackson, is an explosive all over the over the place player. You know, are people overvaluing him? It's funny. When Boston won the pick that night up at the draft lottery, the first thing I did was get in touch with a few of my Boston people, and all of them, I talked to two of them that night and then another one later, all of them say that the Celtics really, really, really like folks and that they were, you know, extremely happy to get that number one pick. So I I think you're right, Murph. I think they'll stand pat, uh, go with that, and then, you know, they still have so much coming up with with the way they rate Brooklyn uh, with that trade. So they still have more to fill in. You know, moving back, maybe. Maybe the Sixers look to move back. But like I said, you know, how many prospects can, can you just keep hidden? You know, I know that yeah. sounds silly. Like, oh, you can never have enough good players. I hear you. But it, but at number three, if you see somebody you really like, I think you got to stand pat and, and go and get them.
1: Take the Sixers out of the equation here for just a second, Bobby. You're, you're around an NBA team. You're around NBA teams all the time. How big a, quote-unquote, loaded word, distraction do you really think LeVar Ball will be to the Lakers or whatever team Lonzo Ball ends up? Is, that, is he even a factor at
2: all? Here's how I put it, Mike. Uh, I said this a long time ago. Uh, human nature. Is there a – all right, 30 GMs. Is there a GM that, that looks at film of Ball and then sits down and starts writing out intangibles? And on the plus side of the intangibles, he says, father is very involved probably not I would say zero for 30 have the father on the plus side I would say there probably are a couple maybe three that have the father on the negative side so put it this way I don't think his dad's helping him get to a team at all but he certainly could hurt him getting to a team Mm -hmm. so you know that's the way I look whether it does or not whether GMs just totally laugh at that maybe but but I've seen some instances in this city where a parental unit has caused some problems, and the GM certainly knows about it and doesn't like dealing with.
0: It. Yeah, in, in any other sport, it would absolutely be a problem. Right, but, but the NBA fascinating, and and it would be a almost a deal breaking problem. You know, um, like like think about it from this perspective.
1: I mean, I mean, it was an albatross for Donovan McNabb. It was an albatross. Yeah, but, but for they Eric were Lindros. like that
0: was like those guys were. Nothing compared to this guy, right? You know, like they were they were heavy. But that's hand- my point. They were heavy-handed yeah. in on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, know, I think like, the
1: McNabs were heavy-handed, whether whether it was their fault or not. It was yeah, it, but they weren't.
0: They, their headlines they they were not talking publicly in in the media at all times. You know,
1: not at all times, but right. they often did. They like often like, give me an did. example yeah. of
0: like anything close to what like.
1: Well, it, I mean, it was a Philadelphia-centric thing, but it, I mean, oftentimes. Reporters at the Inquirer, the Daily News, ESPN, whatever the case may be, would pick up the phone, call Sam or Wilma McNabb, who would then defend Donovan, and it became an yeah, issue for Donovan.
0: Yeah, but that, that, that's like normal parenting.
1: Well, yeah, I
2: mean, like, who wouldn't? Somebody calls me about my kid. I'm defending that. I understand. Out of
1: I'm not saying you. it's a problem. I'm suggesting that. No. I, I'm not I'm su- saying it's bad parenting. I'm saying that the parent became an issue for the athlete.
0: Yeah, but I. I I just think that's on a completely different level. Like he could, he might have become an issue in terms of his reputation, Yeah. but in terms of like the team, it was never no. an issue. Whereas like Well, look, it
1: wasn't until Terrell Owens brought it up. Yeah, like but that,
0: wasn't was thing. that was an apparent that was that was an apparent thing, was it? It was I guess what I'm is saying it? is, all right,
1: we're getting let, far afield. Let me go. Get, ahead, yeah. So
0: if that was the issue, I would laugh it off. But the issue here is, I mean, this is the NBA. Bobby, you know how it is. You know, you know how how these how the egos are, you know, how the, the feelings are. Um like LeVar Ball is the kind of guy where if D'Angelo Russell, you know, takes you know, spends two weeks taking more shots than Alonzo Ball, like that can turn into a huge schism on the team. Do you know what I'm saying? Like uh
2: I, I do know I've seen it. I've seen it, Murph. And this is I'm not gonna put out names, but a few years ago the Sixers had a rookie whose mom was absolutely to the point of we were in uh Orlando one time and she was asked to move from place to place to place because people were complaining about her The, the team was going off the court at halftime losing again it was one of of course one of the really bad years I'm walking right behind the team to go out she makes her way right to the entrance and starts screaming at Michael Carter Williams that he better start passing the ball to her son and blah 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 and I mean full front like Michael Carter Williams had to walk 25 feet while this lady is screaming at him. Now, like to say the GMs and coaches and stuff, they don't care about it. It was a topic of the conversation for a couple of days, you know, human nature. He, uh, you know, Brett Brown didn't want to put up with that stuff. And Sam Hinky doesn't want to put up with that stuff. And it just adds an element that, that makes you uneasy. Um, you know, a lot of us would like to think we're mature enough to just put up with it, move forward and, and, and do what's best for business and for the team. But human element comes into play in anything, and and it, it, if you don't think it does, you're just not
0: being honest with yourself. And I I happen to think that Lonzo Ball is good enough where I would, but, and that's why I say it's interesting the NBA, hey, interesting the NBA because anybody who's watched this college basketball this year, Lonzo Ball is far and away the better. The, 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 there's a tier, mm-hmm. and it ends after Lonzo Ball, and th- there's a pretty wide gap between. You know, I know people are starting to tr- are, are trying to talk De'Aaron Fox up into that. You know number two and maybe he does go there for for but but in terms of pure skill mm-hmm. um I mean Lonzo Ball is a, a, could be yeah. a very special player yeah. I, I, I'll say this I th- I was more impressed with Lonzo Ball in college than Ben Simmons um now Ben Simmons obviously has the size and the athleticism and that's why people love him so much but like Lonzo Ball for as for as immature as his dad is off the court <laughs> he is a very mature basketball player um you know he, he is a true point guard yeah. you know and and like I, I know there's a lot of questions about his shot but, uh, I, you number, know, again, numbers, I think he's the kind of guy who does not need to be able to yeah, shoot. Here's
2: the thing you have to – here's what's correct about his shot. He's not a bad shooter. Like, people, you have to – He's got an under shot. Right. His shot is bad. Right. Like, the form on it is bad. And it might not translate to the NBA. But his numbers are good. Like, he shot over 41% from three points. Like, he's yeah. not a bad shooter. And you add to that, he's a great finisher. He oh. is really crafty. Yeah and strong around great. the rim. He's got great he vision. But taking contact and, and keeping his balance and scoring around there. He does a lot of things really well. I don't know if he's tier level above maybe a Aaron Fox, mm. um, because I do see, like, there's some things in his game that just bother the hell out of me. Like, I hate the lackadaisical stuff. I hate the behind the back, between the legs, all that crap when you don't go anywhere. Right. And you're just standing still. Like, that's not going to translate in the NBA. But... That that's that's probably like you're going through things with a fine tooth comb. When, once you start getting down to that, his talent is undeniable. Um, there are obviously, and you have to take this father out of the equation. There are some things about his games that, do, that his game that does bother me. That like you know the, the AAU style of it. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. I, I watch so much film and you listen to the announcers calling the game. He he makes the normal pass, but he does it with uh, you know flamboyance. He does it with you know showmanship. That makes the announcer think it was a better pass than right, it was. Right. Right. You know, and, and sometimes it hurts them, and sometimes it's fun to watch. But you just got to break down. Okay, the point is: is the ball going from A to B? You know, and is it getting there in a good way? I don't care about the flamboyance. Is he getting the ball where it should be? And most of the times he does.
1: You mentioned the the dearth of shooters in the draft, Bobby. Would if if that's so? And I think you're right. How hard to push? You know, should the Sixers make for a guy like J.J. Redick or anybody else out there in free agency, you know, who can help them with some shooting and scoring on the perimeter?
2: Yeah, as hard as they can. As hard as they can, Mike. I, you know, I think I wrote the day after Urson Ilyasova got traded that they should look to bring him back, and I still believe that. I, I just I, I saw a different Joel Embiid on the floor when he was paired with Ursan Ilyasova to start a game. He loves the way he spreads the floor. It, it's, it's a true pro down there at the floor. Now look, if you can get a model of Ilyasova in this draft, or you know a, a younger guy, or um, someone who's like that at the floor, I'm all for it. But I I, I don't uh, I, I think bringing their Ilyasova back would be a good thing. Jj Reck is another name that we've all thrown around. I I, I don't mind that at all. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is another big shooting guard that won't cost you a lot of money. Uh, that's somebody you have to look into. You have to look. To get shooters. You stand pat- Even if you get a Malik Monk, even if you get a Malik Monk, you still have to look to get at least one more shooter. Without a Malik Monk, you're looking at two free agents that you have to get shooting. And then in that second round, or, or what does cork Moss look like? Is his shot really improved that much that he's you know almost NBA ready to, to be able to spread a floor with his shot? But that is by far the most important weakness that needs to be uh, addressed by the Sixers.
0: All right, Bobby. What is June thirteenth the draft? June 23rd? June 22nd. June 22nd, 22nd. One of those? All right, so we got three weeks. Uh, we'll have you back. Are you coming to the office at all? Maybe we could have you in the studio if you could yeah, do that. Um, sure,
2: whenever you guys want, I'll come into the office.
0: Um, Well, we won't We won't drag you in here specifically. How about 5
2: o'clock on a Friday? Yeah. Yeah, that would be perfect. If we could do <laughs> it from the West East Tavern or something like that, that would be great.
0: Let's do it. Let's all do right. beers and basketball
1: we
2: need to road trip think, we need I to road trip, trip this podcast. podcast
1: yes we, we need to road trip the podcast we can get
0: in this we can do like yeah we can p- paint cooney's face on the sealski mini, family minivan like uh like I nfl a, i don't have a
1: minivan i have a rav4 okay wow, i, I didn't go i didn't go full family guy i went you got a partial you got the
0: minivan guy. of suvs i did you're, you're a soccer how
2: mark. bad is this though mark i'm I was the minivan guy, but my kids are getting so old that I'm past being the minivan guy because they have their own cars now. So I don't even need that minivan stuff.
0: Yeah, now there's like some there's like some guy down in North Philly driving the Cooney family minivan around that he bought for for, for like three thousand dollars <laughs> at the. I, I, uh,
2: I don't know. I think I drove that thing into the ground. I don't think anybody can
0: can use that anymore. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Thanks, Bobby.
2: All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. I'll see you.
0: All right, Mikey.
1: Well, let's let's wrap this thing up. Let's do that. It was a very crisp hour. I, I think it was great. We got a, you know, you brought some structure to the show. Uh, you brought Zach Berman to the show. I, I think it went well. You
0: brought a beautiful pastel shirt. We didn't even did. get a chance. Next week, we'll have to talk about your commencement address.
1: Okay, sounds great. Um,
0: as soon as I dig up some some digital audio of it, so we can all enjoy
4: it.
1: All right, sounds good. All right, buddy. Later.